Christians. All right. Uh, what we believe determines how we behave. Isn't that right? And so it's very important. Don't ever let anybody say, well, we just need to preach Jesus. We don't need to preach no doctrine. If you don't preach doctrine, you don't have anything to preach. Amen. And uh, Jesus preached doctrine. The Bible says they was astonished at his doctrine. And so uh, we should preach doctrine as well. If you'll take your Bibles for a few moments with me tonight and turn to the book of Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9, and I'm going to preach about 25 minutes tonight, and so stay with me. I know this is an ordination service, but what I'm going to preach tonight I think is important, not just for Brother Jaron, but I think it's important for all of us tonight, and it will help us, uh, not just uh, us preachers that are here, but it will help the church and the churches that uh, the church that is represented, both churches tonight, and I feel this to be a great, important message, uh, not just on... Uh, uh, the matter of ministry, but also on the matter of discipleship. And so if you'll stand with us in reverence to the Word of God, Luke chapter number 9, I'm just going to preach like I would always preach, and y'all say amen like you would always uh, say amen in a service. Isn't that right? And we can just leave and, and say that it's been good to be in God's house. Luke chapter number 9 and verse number 57. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go, bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And here's our text verse tonight. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray the Holy Spirit would give us liberty the next few moments. And Lord, uh, help us tonight, not just as a preacher, but I pray that we'd, you would help us tonight as a people. God, to have a greater desire to serve you in the ministry and the work of God. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to say a few things tonight to Brother Jaron just on the outset of this message. Just two or three things. And I think, Brother Jaron, that are uh, important for me to say to you as a pastor, as, from one pastor to another, and as a, a preacher to another preacher. And then I want to preach from this text for a few moments tonight some things that will help every one of us. I would say, first of all, you tonight, Brother Jaron, that a lot of times when you think about pastoring a church, it is a lot like a marriage. Uh, whenever you step out into the ministry, uh, stepping out into the ministry is a stepping away. And I think so many times that I have seen men not willing to do that. In other words, you've been a part of a good church and you've had a lot of support and a lot, not just here, but with your family and with your family. You've had a lot of things around you, a lot of people around you that have encouraged you. But stepping out into the ministry is stepping away from another ministry. That does not mean that you don't have friends and relationships here that you have developed and that... God has blessed you with. It doesn't mean that you're not able to come back to uh, certain things such as jubilees and revivals and those type of things. But a marriage or a pastoring a church, I really believe, is a lot like a marriage. There is a cleaving and there's a leaving. Amen. And you've got to be willing to cleave to that church. And if you're not willing to cleave to that church, then uh, or if you're not willing to leave this church and step out and go on for the glory of God and pour yourself into those people, then that would mean 
mean that you're not ready to be a pastor. I often tell preachers whenever they go out to pastor that as good as this church is and as much as you love this church, you have to be willing to cut the cord. Amen? That doesn't mean that you break fellowship, but if you cannot cut the cord, then you're not ready to pastor. Another thing that I would say to you tonight individually is that uh, whenever God sends you out into a place, he does not send you to that church for a year. And I've seen a lot of men go into the ministry and stay here a year or stay there a year or stay a couple of years. But I want to tell you something, when God sends you out, I know that every ministry is not a lifetime ministry, but I don't believe God sends you to church for one year and then he sends you to another church for another year. There has to be some stickability. You have to stay the course. Now, a flesh can get in the way and sometimes against your own will, uh, you can be asked to leave. I don't think that's the kind of people that you're pastoring, uh, but Sometimes those things happen, but it ought not be on our end as a pastor. There ought to be some durability and stickability, and you just have to be determined that if you're going to do anything for God, you have to stay in one place, that a rolling stone gathers no moss, as they used to say. Uh, but another thing that I would say to you tonight as a pastor, to you as a pastor, is have some character and have ethics about the way that you pastor. I have seen a lot in the last uh, couple of years of men that uh, don't have a lot of ethics when it comes to pastoring, nor their wives. A lot of times they don't know their place or they cross lines. And I just want to say to you, be ethical in what you do. Pastor your church and don't worry about pastoring another church. Amen? Love your people, but don't court other pastors' church members. Can I get a witness right there? Uh, don't try to entice them to come to your church, but build your church off preaching the gospel and knocking on doors. And whether you have 35 or 350, just be satisfied with the number that God gives you and be faithful to the task. I think that we're living in that day when there's so uh, little uh, ethics and character that's being preached anymore. And I see preachers that will rob other church members from other churches uh, because they wind them and they dine them. But know your place. Your place is to be with your people and pour yourself into your people. I think that's important advice. Now, having said that, when you look at this text tonight, what Jesus is saying here in this text is that he's talking about discipleship and he's talking about ministry. And he mentions three men here that comes to him uh, that makes a statement that they're ready to follow Jesus. And we find that the man in verse number 57 and 58 that uh, Jesus is going to talk about it. Let me say this in verse 62 about plowing. And that is our text tonight as I'm thinking about God's plowman. As Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now Jesus is talking to three men and he's talking probably to three young men because he uses this illustration about plowing. And he says if a man is not going to look, if he's going to put his hand to the plow and look back, then he's not fit for the plow or he's not fit for the work or the task that is laid out before him. Now the first man that comes to Jesus in verse number 57 and verse number 58, he stops short of plowing because of hardship. He comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, I'm willing to follow thee whithersoever thou goest. But Jesus says to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. So Jesus immediately tells this man that if you're going to follow me wherever I go, then you're going to have to remember there's going to be some hardships in life and plowing demands resolution in our life. In other words, if we're going to serve Jesus,
service and plow for the glory of God, uh, then there can't be, listen, there cannot be any resolution in our heart. We have got to be resolved uh, uh, to follow Jesus and endure the hardships of life, amen? But this man stopped short because he wanted to follow Jesus, but he didn't want to endure hardships. Now, I want to tell you tonight that pastoring is a wonderful thing and being a preacher is a wonderful thing, but I would be lying to you to tell you that uh, there's not going to be hardships in pastoring. Amen? There's going to be some that's going to love you and there'll be some that won't love you. Amen? There's going to be some that'll be a blessing to your ministry and those that will be a burden to your ministry. And I think God allows this to happen uh, to give us as men of God a good balance in our life uh, uh, so that we don't have a life of ease uh, uh, for that would just spoil us to the core. Amen? Uh, But God is merciful enough that he doesn't give us just one burden after another but he gives us people that will bless us uh, even while there are people that hinder and it can be a burden to the ministry. But uh, listen, plowing for God, it involves hardships. Uh, and we as a people tonight, we've got to be willing to endure hardships uh, if we're gonna serve the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? A lot of people don't want hardships when it comes to serving God. And many times uh, they stop short of plowing because of hardships. Another thing we find here in verse number 59 and verse number 16, we find that this man stopped short of plowing because of kinship. Notice what he said. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and to bury my father. Now, when you think about this man tonight, his father's obviously not even dead. For if he was dead and the funeral was taking place and mourning was going on, this man would not be standing here in the presence of Jesus. He would be attending that funeral. But he says to him, he says, now, Lord, I want to follow you, but let me wait till my dead dies and let me wait until I buried him. And when I've taken care of my father, then I will follow you. But you can't follow God following Ken. Amen. I thank God for family. Listen, I thank God for my children and and, and my son-in-law but I told every one of them uh, uh, listen I'm glad God has let you be here during this time of course none of them is here tonight uh, uh, but you know what one of them's gone to Virginia and I don't even know where the other one is amen uh, uh, but you know what when it comes to serving God uh, I'm thankful that God has allowed us these days to be together brother Jaron but I know as well as they do that uh, we may all wind up in different places in the service of God but thank God we'll all wind up at home one of these days amen and when it comes to serving God. Uh, We can't serve God based on family and kinship. I have seen family try to hinder their family from serving God, uh, uh, try to tell the will of God uh, uh, for others but we don't know the will of God for other people's life. Uh, We just have to go on and do God's will in our life. Amen. And plowing demands not only resolution but it demands a readiness. Amen. Jesus looked at this man and he said, I want you to follow me. And that man had to be ready at that very moment to follow Jesus. And that's the way the call of God is. You can't plan it. Uh, You can't, listen, you can't set it in order. And when God sends out the call, you've got to be ready uh, to go and to do the will of God in your life. And so plowing, it involves uh, readiness and resolution. But then I noticed this other man here that plowing demands resignation. As he says, another also said, Lord, in verse number 61, I will follow thee 
but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. You know one of the things that I see in these words here tonight in verse number 59 and verse number 61, I find two words here and it's the word me first or the words me first. And when it comes to following him, you can't put me first. Somebody say amen. There has to be a resignation uh, to your will and to your wants and to your wishes uh, and you have to be willing to do God's will wherever it may be and whatever it is, uh, you've got to be willing to do that. And by the time we get to this third man who has put another stipulation on following Jesus and plowing for the glory of God, Jesus makes this statement in verse 62 that no man having put his hand to the plow uh, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The question I ask myself in verse 62 is the question that I ask you and I ask this entire congregation tonight, are you fit? Amen. He said any man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Are you fit for the service of God? When we think about this text tonight, we have to consider a few things in verse 62. First of all, we have to consider the plowman. As he said, no man having put his hand. Now when you think about the plowman tonight, hey listen, we think about plowing friend, you know what that involves? It involves sweat and labor doesn't it? Amen? And if you're going to serve God, you're going to have to learn to sweat. Amen? A plowman cannot be a lazy man. A plowman cannot be a man, listen, that is tender in his hands. He's got to be a man that is tough. And if you're going to serve God, you've got to have some durability. If you're going to serve God, there's got to be some steadfastness. Amen. Uh, you've got to stay the course. Uh, you can't run when things get hard. Uh, you can't feel sorry for yourself uh, when you don't get the pats on the back. Uh, there's going to be some lonely days and some lonely nights. Uh, there is some good days and there is some good nights. Uh, uh, but when the lonely nights come, you've got to stay where God puts you and you've got to just be God's plowman. And my friend, you're going to have to be willing to labor and to work for the glory of God. I see a lot of preachers today, you know what they want? They want a big old church. They want a big old paycheck. They want a whole closet full of clothes. Uh, they want a nice car to drive, a drive. And can I stop and say this? There ain't nothing wrong if God chooses to give you those things. But if he doesn't choose to give you those things, uh, we ought to be just as happy and we ought to be just as satisfied uh, because serving God is not about clothes and cars and cash uh, and a big number on a board, amen. Uh, serving God is about being faithful to the field that God puts you in and preaching the message that God has given you. And my friend, I'm afraid that we have a generation of preachers that have grown up today that sees this nothing more than a profession. They see it nothing more than fame and fortune. Amen. They're more about making a name for themselves than they are about making a name for Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you what, listen, we need some men of God, Brother Jared, that is not afraid to work and are not lazy when it comes to the service of God. Now, you'd be amazed, the preachers today, that do not even go on visitation. And yet, they say they believe in the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to go, amen? And we're supposed to go tonight, every one of us. We're to knock on doors. We're to witness. We're to pass out tracts. 
If you've not knocked on the door in six months, then I think it would be safe to say you're backslid. Amen? If you've not passed a track out to somebody in six months, it would be safe to say that you're backslid. You can't grow a church on singing. You can't grow a church on good offerings. You can't grow a church on personality. You can't grow a church, listen, on having programs and promotions, and I'm not against them in their place. But I'll tell you something. The only way to grow a church is to get out and beat the bushes and knock the doors and tell people about Jesus and if you'll go you'll grow amen but if you go and you never grow it's still the great commission to go and to give the gospel whether we see results or whether we don't see results amen you notice something about a man plowing in the field he's not plowing that field to make it look pretty is he amen he's plowing that field so that he can sow some seed and so that he can reap a harvest amen and he doesn't know how much he's going to reap and he doesn't know if he even is going to reap. Amen. But he knows that if he's going to get anything done, he's going to have to start with a plow. Amen. He's going to have to plow the field and my friend, you can't plow, plant, water and reap all in one day. You have got to plow first before anything can happen. Amen. I had a preacher ask me the other day, he said, man, I've been preaching at this church for almost a year. He said, I hadn't seen any results. I said to him, I said, well, I said, I preached at the church that I'm at for 13 months before one person ever joined the church and nobody got saved the first 13 months. Now, I remember that. But here's the thing. It takes a while to plow a field, doesn't it? You can't start down one row and have tomatoes growing by the time you get to the end of it. Somebody say amen. Ain't it amazing how when people go out in the ministry, they want to see results immediately? And thank God for when we do. But the plowman has got to stay until the sun sets. He's got to stay until the work is finished. He can't leave the field unattended. And he can't leave the field unplowed. And so there's the plowman. And then there is the plow. Notice he said no man having put his hand to the plow. Amen. Now that plow is the work of God. And God Jesus is saying if you're going to put your hand on the work of God, then you've got to be fit. Amen. you got to be ready and that plow has got to be sharp. Amen. It's got to be willing to cut the ground. It's got to be set deep down in that ground. And brother Jaron, I tell you, if you're going to build a church for the glory of God, you need to set the plow of God's word. You need to set it deep in the hearts of people. You need to set it deep in the pulpit. You need to build a church off the preaching of the word of God. Listen, I love emotions. I like to shout and I like to sing but you can't build a church on and you can't build a church on shouting, amen? And you need to have both of them. But what to bring the songs and what to bring the shouts is preaching the word of God on a steady basis. You gotta preach it when they're happy and you gotta preach it when they're not happy, amen? You gotta preach it when there's a house full and you gotta preach it when there's a handful. You gotta preach it when they're up and you gotta preach it when they're down and you gotta preach it when you're up and you gotta preach it when you're down. You gotta preach Genesis all the way to revelations, you got to preach the good part and you got to preach the bad part, amen, you got to preach the part we all like and you got to preach the part nobody wants to hear, amen because God has commissioned you to preach the whole counsel of the word of God amen, and that plow's got to be sharp, amen you need to keep a sharp edge on your Bible and what I mean by that, I know the Bible is sharp 
But when you open that book, you need to be sharp in the word. You need to have studied the Bible. And we need to be a people that'll say amen. Would somebody help me tonight? Isn't that right? It's not about sitting and just listening. You can participate in this too. <laughs> because, Jaron, you've got to preach. If they don't say amen, I'm going to finish the message tonight, whether they do or not. But it sure makes it a whole lot better when people come alive with you. Amen? And we're living in a day when preachers are worse about sitting there and looking at you than the average preacher is now, or the average person is nowadays. I long for the days when people was hungry for the Word of God. I long for the days when people came uh, with anticipation in their soul uh, and when you'd preach somebody'd say amen over here somebody'd say hallelujah over there uh, somebody'd say well glory back there uh, uh, but the truth is uh, uh, whether they're shouting or pouting amen uh, you ought to preach uh, uh, because there's preach down in your soul uh, and you ought to just turn loose uh, and set that plow deep uh, and plow on uh, for the glory and the honor of God amen and there is the plowman and then there there's the plow, but then there's the problem. And the problem in this text is twofold. It's the hand of the plowman and it's the heart of the plowman. Jesus says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Brother Jaron, as you take this church, and I know you have a great appreciation for Bible Baptists, and I think Bible Baptist Church has a great appreciation for them. Isn't that right? But I'm going to tell you something I've never said to a preacher I've ordained. But the Holy Spirit has showed me that I need to say this from this, from this day forward to every man that goes out into the ministry. Something I have not detected until I've seen the last five or six preachers that we've ordained go out. The ministry is lonely sometimes. And I know you love this church and this church loves you. But you can't look back to this church. When I left the church that I was at, I loved my church and I loved my preacher. But when God called me here, I cut the cord to Tilton Baptist Church and I stepped out on faith and I put my heart into Bible Baptist Church. And that's where it's been for 19 years. I love my pastor, I love my church. But my heart's not at Tilton. It hasn't been there for it hasn't been there for 19 years. You can't have your heart here and have your heart there. As much as you love this church and this church loves you, you ought to ask yourself this question tonight. Can you really go to Philadelphia, Tennessee, and not look back to Rossville, Georgia? Because that's an important question tonight in the ministry. I remember when I was a, a young boy, and I remember when my Dad would, would, would plow, and he didn't plow with mules. He plowed with a Troy-built tiller. Amen. I'm not that old. Somebody say amen. But we had about six major gardens a year. And uh, we were, anywhere Daddy found a piece of ground, I mean, he'd go up and ask them, are you going to use that this summer? Could I plant a garden? And I mean, we had more gardens going than, than we knew what to do with. And as a boy, I couldn't stand it. I wanted to play baseball and ride BMX bicycle every day. That's all I wanted to do. And we had to work in the garden and cut okra and pick tomatoes. And y'all remember those days? Amen. And uh, whenever all that was done, Daddy had the bright idea, let's clean it off and let's sow everything and turnips and, and let's sow it in uh, mustard greens and all that. So we just worked through until the fall. I, I thank God. I used to pray for frost to come. Amen. <laughs> 
When frost came, that was it with the turnip greens. Hallelujah. And I'd, I'd shout to victory. But I can remember this. When my mom sent me outside or if I needed my dad and he was plowing, you could stand there and, and he'd be coming down that row. You could stand there and you could do this and you could talk to him. But he was not talking to you until he got to the end of the row. You could stand on the backside and you could holler at him all you wanted to. But he, you know what he did? I remember this. He kept his eye on the plow. And he kept his eye on the ground, on the field. And when he got to the end of the row, he'd stop at Tiller. And he'd say, now what do you want? And the reason, I was thinking about that today, I remember that as a child. Because if he looked back, you know what, for just a glance, you know what happened? That row wasn't straight. You'd get off course. And I'm telling you that for a reason tonight, that if you're going to serve God, and if you're going to do anything for God at the church that you're at, you can't look back here. There's nothing wrong with calling. There's nothing wrong with, with fellowshipping and getting some advice. But if you serve God, serving God's an individual thing. You can't take the group with you as much as you love them. Jesus said, if you're going to look back even to your own family, if you're going to let your father, if you're going to let your mother, if you're going to let people that have influenced your life and thank God for them. But Jesus said, if it's time to put your hand to that plow, then you have to look forward from this day forward. And can I tell you something tonight? I've made a lot of mistakes, but the best years of my life has been right here for these 19 years. And it's not for the things that others may look at and may see, but I'm going to tell you what's made this the best years of my life. It's not the number of the crowd it's not the blessings of God that's been on my life or any of these other things uh, the, what has made a pastor in Bible Baptist Church so wonderful is that it is the will of God for my life amen and whether it's 35 or 350 the will of God is what makes it so wonderful why would I want to look back when I've got so much to look forward to and thank God for you being here but today you start a new life you start Start a new chapter. And so look forward, I would say to you tonight, and plow on for the glory and the honor of God. Amen. When I came to this church, and I hadn't thought about things like this in years. I mentioned this at youth camp, but when I came to this church, I remember we had 35, 40 people. And I can remember one day pulling out there in front of Ridgeland High School on 2A, and me and my wife and the girls was in the car seats. And as I pulled out there, I remember making this statement. We was talking about the church and how excited we was to be at this church. And I remember this statement like it was yesterday. I said, no, Lita. I said, I don't care if this church ever even grows. I said, I want to win souls. But I said, if nobody else comes, I said, I'm so thankful to be in God's will. And she said, I am too. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm just going to love these people. I'm just going to love them. And if they'll love me back, and we're just going to love God together. And I had no intention or no idea what God was going to do. But it wasn't about a number. It wasn't about what people. And you know, that's the way a church ought to be. Hey, a lot of things have changed, Brother Art, in 19 years. But one thing hadn't changed, and that's my heart for this church. And this heart's for me and my family. I love this church. I love it with all my heart. But I want to tell you something tonight. The will of God is what makes it. You get out there and you start plowing that field. It's your field. God puts you there. And the ground, 
I remember as a, I remember as a boy, I remember on every piece of ground, there was pieces of that ground that was better than the other pieces. When that field was turned up, you could stand there and you could look at it and you could see the rich dirt and you could see the rocky dirt. Amen. You could see the rough soil. And I remember my dad had looked at that ground when it was, when it was all turned up and he'd say, now we're going to plant the tomato plants right over here because that's where they'll grow good. And we're going to plant the okra right over here because that ground ain't as good and that okra will grow in that ground. And the corn we're going to put over here because that's kind of, that's your real sweet ground right there. And that'll grow some big corn. I can remember that. The soil was different in its places. And you know what? Pastoring's that way. Sometimes you hit some rich spots and it's time of blessing and it's easy plowing. And then sometimes... You hit some rough patches, don't you? And then sometimes you just get into pure stone, it seems like. You know what you do when you get in stone? You just buckle down and put it a little bit deeper, and you just plow a little bit harder, amen? I don't care how big that rock is. If you'll dig long enough around it, it'll come to surface, amen? You may get a church member like a big old stony rock, amen? I'm going to tell you what you do. You just keep digging around them long enough. You just plow them until you plow them on up to surface. Amen. They'll either get right or move on. Somebody say amen. amen. Isn't that right? Amen. But plowing, that's your responsibility tonight. It's not your responsibility to fill a church. It's your responsibility to fill a pulpit. Amen. You don't choose the time to plow. You don't choose the place. and You don't choose the soil. You just trust God and you just plow on for the glory of God. And I would say to you and I would say to your church tonight to that, and I believe this church, I believe you being here tonight and the number of you being here tonight testifies to the fact that you're willing to support your man of God. And I would say to you to love your people, pray for them, invest as much time as you can in them. Amen. I'm glad you're moving there because your heart will be where you move and stay there. Stay there for 30 years. At least 30 years. And then you can pray about leaving, okay? That's what Brother Sammy Allen told me when I come here. He said, you stay 30 years. And if you have any doubt in 30 years, he said, you wait till the 30-year mark, he said, and then you pray about leaving. <laughs> Some of the best advice. Because you will hit patches where sometimes you just feel like you're just spinning your wheels. But just keep on going. Amen. Keep on going. Tonight, as we bow our heads for just a moment, Ms. Sheila, will you come? And We're giving an invitation tonight. I'll say this to Brother Jaron, but I say it to all of us. I think the greatest relationship outside, outside the relationship with the Lord Jesus and the relationship with our spouse is our relationship with the church. And when a pastor and a church are working together and loving each other, it's untold what God can do. And I'm not just talking to Brother Jaron, I'm talking to all of us tonight. It's important that we keep our heart knitted together, that we might serve the Lord better. The Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And we must strive together in these last days. We need each other. We all need each other. And tonight as we stand, our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed tonight.
Maybe tonight you need to come to this altar and just say, Lord, I don't want nothing, but I want to pray for my church. I want to thank you for my church. Maybe tonight there's something specific about this church you need to pray for or your church. Even the church that's visiting tonight, you feel free to use the altar if God speaks to you. You don't have to come. Nobody has to come tonight, but obey the Lord. I don't know where I'd be tonight without a church. I don't know where I'd be at tonight had God not given me pastors along life's way that preached to me, that plowed my row and loved me. Thank God for His men tonight. Thank God for His servants, God's plowmen. Brother Jaron, you just purpose in your heart to be God's plowman. Purpose you just to do God's will. Preach the messages God gives you and preach them to your people as He gives them to you. And if you'll love them, you can preach anything to them if they know you love them. Tonight, if you need to come, you obey the Lord while we take just a few moments and pray. Let God have His way in your life tonight.